What do you get when the audacious and the therapist collide? A crash course in unpolished therapy. Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca aren't afraid to spin out of control, tackling all the tough talk. Their weekly sesh meets at the corner of Audacity and Advice, where their wheels and yours get turned upside down. Hey, everyone. It is Wednesday, so you know what that means. Rachel Silver Cohen and Dr. Boca, and we are jumping right in. This is Unpolished Therapy. Good morning. Good morning. Happy Wednesday, Dr. Boca. Good morning. It's hump day again. I love that we do this on hump day. I can say hump day every time we record. I love that. I have to tell you, in all walks of my life, Wednesday, hump day, however you want to say day, Wednesday was always my favorite day. Good day. The week's not over. Good things are coming. The weekend's coming. Yeah, I agree. Wednesdays were good. You know, especially in college when you partied on Thursdays, like you realize you just had to get over this hump and then like the rest of it was just going to be partying for the next four days. Yeah, I like that. Awesome. Well, speaking of college though and wacky Wednesdays and hump day, I say we just, let's just do it. I know we've been kind of, dangling the carrot, no pun intended, with our (laughs) listeners that maybe we were going to just like do a whole shebang, again, no pun intended, about sex. So let's, I don't know, let's just start at the beginning. Let's go there. Okay. Okay. So if we're going to start at the beginning, I guess the first question that I would have for you is when did you lose your virginity? So looking back, I feel like I'm pretty proud of myself with the when did you lose your virginity date. It's kind of like, you know, Little Red Riding Hood, the porridge. It's not too hot. It's not too cold. It's just right. So in the long-winded answer is I was a senior in high school. Wow. Yeah. Is there like a clap button? Like, are there like applause on that? No, but I waited until my freshman year of college. Wow. I know. I mean, look, we went very, very close. You made up for lost time. It was like, some might define that maybe there was sex prior to, but there wasn't. Um, no, freshman year of college with my college boyfriend who I wound up dating for two years. And it was amazing. I have to say it was just, it was everything that I waited for. Really? Because yeah, I, I was going to, you, you answered the question that I was going to ask because I was going to lead the witness on that and be like, and it sucked, but wow. I, wow. Yeah, I know. All, it was real. I'm shocked. I mean, it was not, let, let, let me rephrase that. It was not the best sex I've ever had by any stretch of the imagination, but it was, you know, it was the right scenario. It was the right person to lose your virginity to. Like, I wanted it to be somebody that I remembered. I wanted it to be meaningful. I wanted to really, truly care about the person that I was with and know that it was mutual because I had had sloppy guys in high school or whatever that I was like, oh my God, if I had to always associate this, it's like getting married on a holiday and then getting divorced and the holiday's kind of like ruined for the rest of your life. It's that kind of thing. Like, I don't want to think about losing my virginity and thinking about it being like in a closet between two commercials, right? And it was sloppy and gross and we were drunk and moved on. This was like a whole lead up, build up, just a wonderful, wonderfully special experience for me. And how sloppy was yours? (laughs) Well, I was going to be like, so cool. So the former is you just basically described my first time having sex. So great. It was like in a closet, you know, the butler did it in the pantry with with a cloak, right? No, it was at a party in someone's parents' house and the parents were nowhere to be found. And it was like, bing, bang, boom, thank you. But like, ouch, 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 that's it. Like, that was it. That was as good as it was going to be. That was pretty much it. The shit that they've been talking about all these years and that was it. But it is kind of like, all right, check it off the list. And then you kind of, you kind of navigate your way thereafter. So to me, the one thing I will say is that the guy I lost my virginity with, 
really did end up remaining a very good friend of mine. I don't think either one of us, we weren't even like, I mean, this is going to sound very unpolished, but (laughs) I was like, we weren't, we knew we weren't even boyfriend and girlfriends. It wasn't that. It was kind of just like, we're going to do this, right? Get it done so we don't have to be virgins anymore. Yeah. And I think that like, I don't know, I, I don't know if it's like this in today's world with our, I cringe saying it, our kids, but I feel like all of his guy friends and all of my girlfriends, it was kind of like, go, 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 go. (laughs) Like that they were like rooting on. And maybe I did that with some of my friends. I don't really remember other people's first times. But for me, I feel like I remember that all my friends knew that like, this is the night that it was going to happen. That all being said though, we had remained very good friends. We went through a lot of life things together thereafter. We joke about it. But that was the least of how we maintained a friendship, which is really kind of ironic. Very cool. Yeah. Yeah. That's very cool that you stayed friends. So yours wasn't as bad as, you know, what I had said. You hook up in a closet. You barely remember the person's name. You were drunk off your ass between two commercials. Well, we we were. But then you part ways. Oh, no, no. No, Yeah. We never parted. We we were a little less unpolished. A little less. Scenario. A little less. A little less. So then what happens? Like, then we kind of learn what we're doing a little bit more, right? Yeah, only you hope it only gets better because now you know what you're doing and what to expect. And it does. The difference is yes, it definitely gets better with age for sure. However, once you lose your virginity, and I do think that there's a lot of anxiety, especially the older you get, that like you do want to just check it off the list because that first one, you know, you can't go out at, you know, 40 and say, hey, I'm a virgin, like, except the 40-year-old virgin. But like, you don't want to say that. So you want to get it done. And sometimes for most people, losing their virginity is not anything that is so memorable. I was very fortunate to have that experience, but it's not so memorable. So then you do it. And the good thing, I guess, when you then do a lot of catching up is you really learn what's good and what's not good, right? So it does get better, but you have to sometimes weed through a lot of those guys that really suck like really, really suck. Like those guys would have been okay for my first time. But now that I know at my eighth, ninth, 50th, 40, you know, 432nd, like you suck. And no, I'm not at 432. I kind of lost count, but I'm not at 432. I used to, <laughs> I used to have a count. And I, all, <laughs> not only did I used to have a count, but I could like do it in order and know who all the people were and so on and so forth. Now, because my memory is so shoddy and not to say that there's been so many men, because I think in the grand scope of life, there really hasn't been, but I've forgotten along the way. And then it's funny in certain conversations with some of my friends over the course of my life, something will come up like, Hey, Silver, do you remember when you were with blah, blah, blah. blah?" And I'm like, Oh my God, no, hold on. I (laughs) I have have to insert him, (laughs) no pun intended, into, um, into the list in my head. So I'm the same exact way. I knew where I was prior to getting married my first time. There were not like a whole slew of people. There were enough, you know, to get a taste and a dabble and know what I was doing. But then after I got divorced and I went a little rogue, like I couldn't even tell you, I had nicknames for all of them. And at one point I wrote them all down. And a couple of months ago, I found not of the long, long list, but of somewhere between the shortest list Mm -hmm. and the longest list, I found the list. The middle list. The middle list, right? And that's okay because the last ones towards the end before I met my husband, I would remember those, right? So, but it is, it's very interesting because you do forget. I couldn't name them all now. Thank God I had the list, right? But then something will get triggered. And I've actually had this experience where you know, like I, I hooked up with a guy, I had sex with them and never, not never to see them again, but probably never to see them again. And then somehow like life circumstances and you see them and you're like, do they remember? Like, do they have any idea? Because I'm not sure they remember. 
right? But I remember. So do they remember? I'm sure know. they do. I'm sure you're very memorable in bed. And well, I, you know, <laughs> practice makes perfect, I All guess. Right. But I'm sure people think that. I ran into someone several, several, several years ago who I hadn't seen in a million years. And we had had a thing back in the day. I was thrown for such a loop when I ran into him. Okay, I call it my ugly Betty moment, okay? Because I saw him from afar and I was like, oh my God, could that possibly be who I thought it was? But it was so out of context right. because this was previous lives ago and our eyes met and it was a, it was such a great reunion. Like we totally like got to catch up, but I was, and I'm actually, I'm feeling it right now. I had like this visceral, like I started sweating. I didn't know what to do. I was stuttering. I have like a stutter when I get nervous. And the next thing I knew, it was like out of a movie. That's why I call it like my ugly Betty moment. My pocketbook <laughs> fell. Like I was all like discombobulated and everything in my pocketbook. And to know me is to love me. I, people call me like a bag lady. I have like just <laughs> crap with me at all times. And everything was upside down in the middle of this public forum. And I had tampons and I had, I mean, just my whole life. But here I was like looking up at this guy that back in the day, I was like, I mean, I was goo goo gaga mm. over him and life had gone on. I mean, we were both married and we had children and so on and so forth. But I just remember like, oh God, like, is this how he's remembering me? Because I, I hope the memories are a little, a little better. sexier. A little yeah. better. No, that's such a cool story. Yeah. I don't know. It's, uh, it's interesting. Sex was such a big part of figuring out who I was as I was going through all the stages of my life. And I look back at some of the people that I was with and, and look at them and what did they mean and why that person at that time. And, oh yeah, that was totally just a drunken night. Or that was, that one was, I thought I was going to go somewhere with them or, oh, you know, this was a great guy, but the sex sucked. Or, oh, this was a eh, guy, but oh my God, like, I love those that like totally surprise you. And it's like the greatest sex you've ever had. Well, it's not the greatest sex you ever had, but it's good sex. And you were not expecting it. And you're like, oh, well, maybe I could learn to like this guy a little bit more. I don't know if that's ever happened to you, but it's definitely happened. To I don't you. know that was the greatest sex you've ever had, that that guy would be someone that you'd have to learn to get to, at least back in the day. Well, like to me, if it was the greatest sex, I like you. <laughs> well, okay. And, and it wasn't the greatest sex, but it would, I, I just was surprised. Right. And then I'd be like, okay, I, I got to give this guy a chance. Right. Because I don't know. I think that's another thing as we've gotten older or as to me, it's the relationship that makes sex so great. Yeah, but not when you're young. When no, you're young, I remember no. like getting ready for whatever the date was going to be and being like, oh my God, oh my God. I, really of have course. To, I have to groom myself and I have to put the right perfume on and, and make sure I'm shaved appropriately and all that. As we get older, I guess that is where that relationship piece comes in as you get older. And maybe you're more comfortable in certain areas. So you forego certain things because you know, I don't know that it's a sure thing or when you're young, it's like right. you're not really sure. And you're always trying to like be on the top of your A game. Right. Right. So it's interesting. And I think this is a good, a good transitional point is to our listeners. You know, a lot of them are probably either married for a long time or newly divorced or some might be thinking about getting married. And I guess the question is, you know, what changes now that we're not our young little spring chickens anymore and like grooming ourselves and getting ready to have sex all the time. And if anyone just touches us, we're on fire and all of those things. What changes being in long-term relationships? Does it get better? Does it get worse? You know, it, does it become, are you having any? 
Like, are you having any sex in your married in your married life? Are you not having any sex in your married life? Do you want to have sex in your married life? And now for somebody like you coming out of a marriage, what it must be like to have to go back to your 20-something mentality about having sex and be like, I have to be on my A game. I have to get ready and do and primp and shave and wax and whatever. Um, with the knowledge that I now have of my cumulative lifespan of saying, well, I'm not wasting it on some nothing or maybe people choose to, or how do I get back to a place where there's that, that, that middle ground of still being really excited and having sex, but it's not as anxiety provoking and as high maintenance of having to, you know, be on my A game every single time. That was a lot. I know. (laughs) Did I say too much? It was a lot. Well, because I think that that there's a million ways to answer that. Good, um, I left it in your court to answer. I think that, let me answer that by retelling a story. Many years ago when I was not married and friends of mine were, or were they married or just, oh, I guess they were. I remember saying, if I was in a serious relationship, I would have sex every day. I say that almost without you know, trying not to laugh because th- that is the response that I got from my friends who were in either, I don't remember if they were actually married or had already been in long-term relationships living with their significant other. And they were like, oh, okay, let me know how that works out for you. And I'm like, no, I'm such a sexual person. And if you're with the right person and yes, and I was so young and everything was exciting and everything was a turn on. Even if it was a turn off, it was a turn on. And then fast forward, then those relationships began and I was living with this one or that one or whatever. And I remember when one of my friends calling me out on it. And they're like, so remember back in the day when you were like, yeah, I'd have sex every day. How's that going? I was like, fair, you're right. We're not having sex every day. But I always still had that healthy thrive right now. In hindsight, that particular relationship was not my ex-husband, by the way. We never really jived. So I could see that that was never going to happen. And, you know, see you later, moving on. Other men that I had been with down the road, and here's, I don't know, maybe you can shrink my head on this men that were probably the wrong men for me, I will still say to this day, I would have had sex with them every single day. Now, is that a mind thing? Because was it like I didn't really have them and I just wanted more? And what is that about? Well, it's probably an intimacy thing. You know, a lot of times we're afraid and which is why they tend to be the wrong guys for us, but it's often easier to connect on an intimate level through sex than it is in the relationship. So the relationship itself isn't the right relationship, but sometimes that's when the sex is the best because mm. you make yourself the most vulnerable. Got it. Got it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and then, okay. So then moving on, even, you know, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there first, even in my marriage, which this is interesting. I feel as though looking back, I feel like it was a fairly healthy sex life we had. And even up until the very end, and again, maybe this is something that may resonate with some of our listeners as a married woman with children and all that, but still having a sexual desire and thinking that it was incredibly important. And also I feel like in a marriage, it's almost like, isn't that part of the job per se? I have like my air quotes out, right? That like, how hard is it really to like satisfy your partner? Like, and and I don't want to over stereotype, but like most men, like, I don't know, you feed them, you fuck them, like they're kind of happy, right? So even though I felt as though there were pieces of my marriage that weren't really working on all cylinders, I really did feel as though that was still something that I should be a participant in, 
even if it was for, on the most basic of levels that like I wanted to get off, right? Well, okay, so that, I think that's the difference. You said should and want, mm, right? Okay. So the should piece of it is the place that I think most people find themselves right before a divorce is like, I should be giving this to them because, you know, it's my job to do that. And they get resentful and they get angry and it becomes a task and a job. And that's usually how the breakdown of the marriage formulates, right? It's the resentment, the anger, the women withholds, and this is just stereotypic, but the man can withhold. And it just kind of starts to implode because it becomes a laborious job that they have no interest in because there's no emotional foreplay. There's no emotional satisfaction in the relationship. There's no partnership. There's no communication. And so what we see behaviorally is the sex dies. In your case, it sounds like you still wanted to get off. I did. And I'm laughing now thinking about it. And I don't know if my ex-husband's even listening to this because like, it's not even bad because we were on the same page with some of like our husband-wife jokes we would have. But like, so we would have sex and, you know, he did what he have to do and I do what I have to do. And then we do it together and da, da, da. And then afterwards, like we would kind of laugh and be like, okay, see you in a couple of days. Like, you know? <laughs> you know? And that was kind of the rhythm of our routine. And, right. you know, is anyone going to like write a sexy, steamy novel about our bedroom passion? Probably not, but we still had a method to our madness. Which is will. probably what kept you in the marriage as long as it did. Because if you took away that, and you didn't get that outlet and you didn't get that satisfaction, whether it was, you know, you doing your thing, him doing your thing together, you guys do your thing and then you part ways and you didn't have any connection, which is how so many marriages are. There's just no connection and they don't even have the bedroom and I put that in air quotes and sex to connect. They don't stay very long or it's torturous to stay because emotionally they're craving some form of connection. In our mini pod, you said to me, kissing or intercourse, right? To me, kissing represents touch, Mm -hmm. right? On one of its most intimate levels. People sustain themselves by getting that need met forever because that's what it's about. It's this level of intimacy. Intercourse, you know, okay, it's a job sometimes. It's a mechanical thing. But you know when someone's kissing you with intensity Mm -hmm. and purpose and stuff. So to me, it's touch. Like it's physical intimacy and touch is more important than whether his dick goes inside my vagina and we, you know, have four minutes of pleasure. Yeah. And you know what? And I'm going to go so far to say too, that maybe our listeners would agree with us at this stage of our lives now too, sex should be really important. Yes. Right? It's just what that looks like and what it feels like, again, no pun intended, is a little different. I'm looking up now at like the chandeliers in my house here and it's like nobody is swinging from chandeliers probably anymore. And I I always joke around about that because even back in my heyday, heyday, like I don't even know where that phrase came from, but like, huh, like I don't think I ever swung from a chandelier, but that would be really fun, right? (laughs) I guess I missed the mark on that one. But now, just when you were talking about kissing or intercourse, I think that there's something so sexy and such a turn on about kiss and touch. And it is that mature level of that sex changes as we get older. And I know no one wants to really talk about this a lot because it seems like there's shame with it. And I know we'll do an entire podcast on it down the road, but as we get older and our bodies change, not just physically from the outside, we don't look like we're 18 and we're Giselle anymore, but... Did but, you ever? Well, I mean, I'd like to think maybe <laughs> that I looked okay. <laughs> I mean, Giselle, no, I mean, no, that's a little presumptuous of me. but. I looked okay back in the day. and But forgetting even that, because I do think in our world, we all put a lot of time and attention into keeping up with our physical maintenance. And that's something that we do as women because we want to hang on to that fountain of youth. Sure. 
And that being said, no matter how good you look on the outside, and this is the piece that I'm trying to get to, is that our bodies internally, the clock isn't working the same way. And no matter how much we try to bring it in for cleaning, (laughs) right, (laughs) or maintenance, you know, between the perimenopause or even some of the older women with menopause, we change. And physically, what got us off years ago, I mean, I used to blink and could be turned on. The wind would go by. I mean, the wind would go by. I used to have like changes of underpants in my car, <laughs> driving to work and listen, even like I, way back in the day, like the finances, driving to work, listening to Howard Stern. I was just like, oh my God. <laughs> like, <laughs> like I had like clothes in my car because I mean, the littlest things was such a turn on just verbally, let alone then when you start sure. putting that into practice with then what you're watching, whether it's porn or with a guy or a girl for that matter, if men are listening, that really turned you on. And then there was that physical whatever. And you also were willing to think outside of the box and sure. be creative and Absolutely. do things that were a little, you know, unpolished, if you will. And now as we get older, it is quote unquote work to work yourself up again. So, you know, I'm not married now, so I don't want to speak out of turn, but I would think that even the best of marriages, maybe the reason that they're still the best of marriages is because both people have that understanding that it's not just wham, bam, thank you, ma'am, I'll see you in a couple of days. You got to work on bringing that spark back and not that it was ever lost, but what was lost, it's just that you got to tend to that fire to keep it burning. Sure, absolutely. And I try in my couple's work really to spend time educating because I think particularly men fall into a confusion state as their women, as their women, as their wives or girlfriends, who, what have you, kind of go through this process of changing because they don't understand. They don't understand that what's always worked and was like the surefire position or the surefire mechanism to get their significant other excited, aroused or whatever has changed. In my own work, you're absolutely right. In my own work, I try to educate with my couples because a lot of these men are sitting here, particularly men, but women too, are sitting here not understanding why, well, this has worked for 20 years and I'm doing the exact same thing and she's not interested, she's not engaged, it's not happening. I'm feeling like a failure. My apparatus is not working the same way that it used to. And she's taking it personally. All these things are happening, right? So I educate them about how the body's changing and that things that worked in the past are not going to work necessarily. And that foreplay that used to be so much fun when you're in the bedroom and getting the other person excited may have to start hours before when you're getting ready to go out for dinner. I'm like on a cloud right now because I'm like getting lost in the fantasy of like, remember years ago when like the foreplay, you could be fully clothed, you could be in like a snowsuit, right? <laughs> and, he, and you'd still be excited, yes. right? At that foreplay. Now, I mean, oh my God, yes. that is not happening in a snowsuit. No, and it's got to start. Like you got to start even like as you guys are getting dressed, you know, start the flirtation, start the touching, the little kiss on the neck you know, straightening the guy's tie, whatever, you know, whatever it is, you look so handsome, you look so lovely. We're going to have a great time. Put your arm around each other when you're out. Like that starts it. And I do think that this is across the board, men, women, as we get older, there's so much more tied to not just the physical. There's such an emotional and mental process to sex that I think we lose when we're in our 20s. We've never acquired that. It's solely physical. Yeah. And maybe that is the difference too between like sex, right? The, you know, mind blowing, oh my God, you know, I'm drenched and just to look at you, I'm freaking out versus as you get older, what the definition of 
that whole like making love. I mean, maybe that is what making love is as you get older and the intimacy and the glance across the room. And, you know, I hope listeners out there, if you are married for a long time, that you're not like rolling your eye right now. Like, oh yeah, like my husband and I were like, we're glancing at each other across the room and having that unspoken connection, but work on that. Like, yeah. that's what I want for my next go round. Sure. And, and ask yourself, why not? Like, why aren't you looking across at your partner across the room? And if you're sitting here listening to us being like, God, I would kill for that because that's what I'm actually imagining when I'm having sex with my husband or wife, or that's what I'm looking at other couples doing at the restaurant or, you know, or I'm envious of that. You too can create that or recreate that in your relationship now, but you have to be honest about it. And I think that's the importance of why we're doing this podcast is that this is real. This is real shit and really emotionally tough shit. It's a process. And it's like everything else. It's like attending to the garden. If you don't attend to the garden, whatever you're growing dies. You have to water it. You have to nurture it. And more than anything, you have to talk about it. If you don't talk about it, it becomes an elephant in a room. And I mean, we've all, I'm sure, been guilty of, you know, knowing it's a Saturday night, being so fucking exhausted and knowing that you're going to come home and your significant other is going to want sex. And so you're so tired that all you're going to do is just get into bed and while they're in the bathroom, go to sleep. Right. right. Like, sorry, I was sleeping. Right. Here's how you can hedge that though. And then it's a win for everyone. This is, you know, a, a memory of mine back from my, my married days is because I'll admit, yes, I was one of those people too. Like, we're going to go out. Oh, I'm going to be so tired. He's going to have sex, da, 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 whatever. Oh, I was sleeping. But the way you can hedge that, right? You do it before. Mm -hmm. And then it's like, you got it out of the way. And again, I say out of the way, like (laughs) I'm already, I'm selling the negative on that. And and, and that, I guess maybe for me, and I'm being selfish here, those are the lessons I'm learning for my next go rounds, Mm -hmm. right? But in the spirit of trying to satisfy your partner, you might surprise yourself and it could be great and fun and it's a win for everyone. But what you said about the communication piece and being honest, maybe that's where people fall short because they don't know how to be honest about something that may be uncomfortable or they feel as though they're falling short because they don't feel the way that they used to. And it's not about that you don't love the person anymore. It's that, as we talked about earlier, like your body is just working at a little slower speed. Yeah, and your needs have changed. I mean, you, you guys are busy. We're all busy. Married, not married, single. We're all fucking busy. And our energy and everything that we're going through today, like I hate to bring up COVID, but COVID, having the kids home, them being in an anxious state, business is falling apart. I mean, all of this added stress is taking a toll on people emotionally. And the second that the emotional turmoil surfaces, we see a decrease in the desire for sex. That is why when people are depressed and anxious, we see that one of the biggest complaints that they have is, I have no sex drive, right? So we have to work with our partners where we are and where they are and talk about it. And sometimes it's as simple as saying to your partner, come into bed with me and just lay with me, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You don't know where that goes. Sometimes physical touch, just having somebody's arms around you when you have not had it in so long because you guys are like two ships passing through the night, that could start the foreplay. It may not get your vagina dripping like it used to, and it may not get him as hard as a rock initially, but then you start with the kissing and then you start with the touching and the talking and the laughing. And eventually it just becomes like a craving that you have because we are all people who want, we crave people and connection and intimacy. We crave it. Some of us are scared of it. Some of us run from it, but we do crave it and we don't do it enough. 
So I encourage all of our listeners, we don't want to start seeing sex as a chore. We want to have the conversations, talk about it before the elephant fills the room so much that there's no room to breathe anymore. And you feel like your entire sex life has died. It's a very easy thing to bring back. You just have to make it a priority, like you make everything else a priority in your life. Yeah. And I think too, the older we get, when we say like our partner is our best friend, what better best friend to have than a best friend who like you still want to fuck? Yeah, with benefits. Right? Like that's the best. So remind yourself of that. You know, you may not be 22 swinging on that proverbial chandelier anymore, but you have a best friend next to you. And how lucky are you? So, you know, I say to some of my friends too, you know, don't take that for granted. Someone like me who now, you know, does sleep alone and I am waiting for, you know, that right best friend. And I feel like I've, I've had enough notches in my belt over the years that I'm really honestly not looking to just hook up and have one night stand. That's just not who I am anymore. So with that being said, though, I still think that sex is incredibly important. And maybe I have over romanticized and fantasized about what that will look like as a second time arounder, someone who knows your mind so much better, knows your body so much better. I mean, let me tell you, I am my own best date, <laughs> right? I mean, I know what I want. I know what I don't want. I know what I like. I, it's like, I am the the puppeteer, literally of, uh, you know, I, I hope I can find a guy that can keep up with me in, in what my needs are, right? So, you know, that's a whole nother end of, of the spectrum here. But um, to know who you are emotionally and intimately with yourself, I think is so amazing Mm -hmm. to then get to share it with another human being. Well, and I think that's where people fall short is they know themselves. They know what they're longing for. They know what they're missing. They know what they want. They know how to make their body respond and they're not communicating it to their partners. And it's such a loss right there. So if anything comes out of this podcast today is have the conversation, be honest. What do you have to lose? If you're not having sex anyway, or you're having bad sex, it's only going to get better by having the conversation or the relationship isn't going to work out, but you're not happy in the relationship if you're not having at least some form of intimacy with your partner. Nice. I'm actually like a little sweaty right now. Turned <laughs> on or just, you know, <laughs> did I do it for you? No, well, not you. I'm sorry to, you know, whatever. But, but I, you know, I just think that sex is here to stay. Mm-hmm. And we have to remember that. And we owe it to ourselves. We owe it to our partners. We owe it, I think also too, I'm hardly a doctor. But I think that keeping those juices flowing, again, I'm loving myself with the puns here. <laughs> uh, I, again, if you don't, use it, you you lose lose it. it. And that is a rude awakening, especially when you do hear it from a doctor. I mean, that's a fact, ladies and gentlemen. If you are not using your parts, your parts are not going to work effectively. It's like a car. You know, you got to keep that oil changed a lot. And you got to keep yourself lubed up. I mean, here I go again with the puns. But but your body is an engine and you got to turn it on once in a while if you want it to work efficiently. And... And I think that we all just, even just the endorphins that are released too, figure it out, get it done, talk to your partner and have a little fun because sex is a beautiful thing. We're adult people. No one's breaking the law by having sex. So figure it out and go out there and have sex. Yeah. And if you don't feel comfortable having the conversation just amongst the two of you because you think your partner's not going to take it the right way or you're going to say it the wrong way, go into a therapist for a couple of sessions to just help you figure out the way that you can communicate. There are people that specialize in sex therapy 
therapy, in couples counseling. I mean, definitely take advantage of it because you're missing out on such good stuff if you don't do it. And let's not be afraid to go out of our comfort zone and make it exciting. Bring in some toys. I mean, you know what, Rachel? I would love if we could bring on somebody to talk about some sex toy options. That would be great. I mean, A, that's crazy unpolished and amazing. So I'm always down for that. And maybe, you know, our listeners will want to jump on board with that. I'm sure we could come up with like a coupon code or something. That'd be awesome. We're going to look into that. Right? Yeah, we'll look into that. Because I think that would be great. Because I mean, if you've ever had relationships where you use the toys, it just adds a different dimension. And it allows you to, you know what, look, there are realities of our body, but there are ways to work around those realities. And if you're willing and Ava, you could still have so much fun and it will make such a difference in not only how you feel about yourself, but how the relationship continues to grow. Agreed. Agreed. So let's work on that. All right. And on that note, we're going to have to do a little research on getting a, a specialist in here to help us with some, with some toys to judge up our time in the bedroom. So with that being said, thank you everyone for listening. We had super amount of fun today, right? Dr. Brooke, I like I talking had a great about... I had a great like time. This. It's a topic I love talking about. Well, and we can revisit it again and we can take it in a lot of different directions. But for now, we just want to thank everyone for listening. If you want to shout out to us throughout the week, you know where to find us. Facebook at Unpolished Therapy. Twitter, I believe, at Unpolished... No, Untherapy. Un- Untherapy. Sorry about that. That was Unpolished. And of course, Instagram at Unpolished Therapy. You can email us at unpolishedtherapy at gmail.com. And you know where to find us. So we're here. We can't wait to see you next time. And until then, have a great week. Have some great sex. Report back. Let us know. <laughs> and be honest with your partner, right? Honesty oh, is the best policy. Absolutely. It'll get you off every time, right? <laughs> absolutely. Great sesh, girls. Hey, everyone. Like what you heard? Then don't miss out on what comes next. Subscribe now and please give the girls a five-star rating. Learn more at www.unpolishedtherapy.com. Find and like them on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. We'll see you next week when Rachel Silvercone and Dr. Boca ditch the couch, grab the mic, and break down all the wreckage.